Well, welcome, everybody. I'm so glad to uh, see all of you here. I know there's some a lot of new faces here. My name's Pastor Dave Fukuyama, and I'm the uh, senior pastor here. So welcome for all of those who are here, for those of you who are outside, and for those who are watching online. But before we start, I'd like to um, thank the Women's Ministry for organizing such a wonderful Women's Worship Night last night. You know, I was talking afterwards with the worship leader, and he said, you know, Pastor Dave, I just sensed the Holy Spirit working here, you know, especially among the women. So we want to thank the Women's Ministry Core team, but especially Kim Yokoyama there and Mari Ito. I don't know if Mari Ito's here, but thank you so much. But also we have a special group of people here, and these are the youth group of Chet and Carol Yoshizaki. Now, they're old school because they were here when we were in East L.A., I've only been here for uh, 15 years, so there are, I'm pretty much here gathered right there. So if you, we didn't mean to put you in the back. Okay, that was Chet's idea. That was not I, my idea to put all of you guys in the back. So we're not embarrassed about you. We're just glad you're here. So we hope you feel welcome. You know, we hope you feel welcome, and just so glad that you know you're here with us this morning. But as Co said, we're going through the Book of Galatians. And we're wrapping it up. And Galatians is one of the most important books and one that changed my life. Because as Coe said, so many times we, be- we look at Christianity as hard. That Christianity is just a bunch of do this, don't that, don't do this. And it's a bunch of rules, right? And, you know, as I shared with you before, I grew up in a Christian family. I grew up um, in... I accepted Christ in the 70s, maybe much like you back there, and everything was about rules. Do this and don't do that, right? And that's okay if you grew up with a family like my brother and sister. They were basically good. They followed the rules, but not me. You know, I was the one that would get in trouble. My parents would tell me the Bible says this. Well, I said, okay, well, I've got to find that out for myself. And I did that by making a lot of mistakes. You know, I walked away from the church. For a long time, right? And, and, you know, I was always wondering, God, why are you calling me to be a pastor there? You know, to be honest with you, everybody thought uh, God was calling my brother to be a pastor because he was a good one. And when my mom said, no, we think it's Dave. And they go, yeah, I'm sorry, Jan. I think you got it wrong. Not Dave. You know, Keith, yes, but Dave, no. And part of it is as I tried to do my best to follow the rules, I kept on failing. And as Coach said, it gets burdensome after a while. And so I got to the point where I said, God, if this is what Christianity is, if this is what my faith is all about, following rules, which I kept on failing, then I said, you know what, I don't want this. It's just too hard. Then God allowed me to really understand the book of Galatians, to see that I was not living in the freedom that God has called us to live through Jesus Christ. I was living in slavery of the law, right? And so um, right today, we're just going to recap the whole book. But the theme of Galatians is getting the gospel right, because that's so important, 
right? Getting the gospel right, because what was going on there, and as Cole usually does, he takes a part of my sermon so I don't have to do the sermon, but he was talking about the Judaizers, right? And he was saying they were uh, uh, Jewish Christian believers that were preaching the go- a false gospel of Jesus plus, right? Jesus plus, meaning that you had, in order to be saved, you had to put put your faith in Jesus. And you say, okay, okay, I get that. You know, that's what Jesus was saying. But they also said, well, all you males, you had to be circumcised, right? And the Gentile males are going, no way. You know, Paul said, I didn't have to get circumcised. But these guys are saying, no, in order for you to be initiated into the family of God, you need to be circumcised. And then they said you had to continue to follow the Old Testament law in order to maintain your salvation, right? And so this is what they were preaching. And this is a false gospel. And this is a gospel that doesn't save, right? And so we may look at that and go, well, you know, that's thousands of years ago. But how many of us have lived our lives like that? We live our lives as with a Jesus plus gospel. Well, we know and we've been taught that faith comes through Christ and Christ alone. But somehow in order to earn God's favor, in order to maintain our relationship with him, in order to be on good standing with God, we have to what? Keep following the rules. Right? And unfortunately, I grew up in a church where rules were important, and that really shaped how I um, lived my faith. But how many of us do that? And as Cole said, how many of you t- are tired of that? Well, you're weary. And this is what Jesus is talking about. Are you, when he's saying, are you weary? Are you weary of trying to keep the law and failing all the time? And Jesus says, no, my burden is light. My yoke is easy, right? And so that was going on. Because we know Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, it says, for grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We all know that verse, right? We grew up with those verse. We all know up here that we are saved by grace. But how many of us live like that. We know we weren't saved by works. We know that we're not continued to be saved by works, right? And, and Ray Pritchard said this. He said, there is no doctrine more counterintuitive to modern men and women than the doctrine of free grace, the free grace of God. So what's he talking about here, right? He's talking about uh, salvation. He's talking about entrance into heaven for all eternity. When you take a look at all of the other religions, it's about what? It's about works. It's about doing the right things and not doing the wrong things. And in the end, hopefully you've done enough good things in order to earn your place in heaven. Christianity is not about that. You know, according to the scripture, there, is an, there are not enough good works you could do to earn your way into heaven. It is only by gr- the grace of God. And for us, that's so count- counterintuitive. Because why? Because when we were raised as kids our entire life, we were taught that what? In order for you to get something good, you have to earn it. You have to earn it, right? Right? 
you know, in order to get a good job, well, you got to do well in school. In order to get promoted, well, you have to do well at your, your work. In order to make a spot on the team, you have to work at it. So everything that we know is based upon a reward system based on us doing well, right? And so when God comes and says, you know what? Salvation or interest into heaven is not about works. It's about having faith in my son Jesus Christ who died on the cross and paid for your sins. And you're saying, well, okay, wait a second. What's the catch here? There's no catch. And he said, no, there's got to be too good to be true. And this is why it's so counterintuitive to most modern men and women. Right, Because we are skeptical of something that sounds too good. Remember I shared the example of Timo, right? You know, I'm a transformer collector. I know, okay, for those, those are the toys, not those big trans, electrical transformers you see on telephone poles. Um, but I collect those, and I've been collecting those when they first came out. So I know how much they cost. And I'm looking at these things, and they said, you could get it for like $10, I got no way. You can't get these things for $10. This is too good to be true. Until somebody told me how teamwork worked, and I said, okay, I, I get it, right? But I was really skeptical about that because I, I, I know how much Transformers cost, and this is way too good to be true. But some of us think about our faith that way, or when it comes to Christ, it's too good to be true. But then also, he goes on in Galatians 2, 16, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by the works of the law, no one can be justified. Now this is where we get Martin Luther's famous quote, justified by faith and faith alone. So what's justification? I know that's a big churchy word, but basically justification is the legal declaration by God stating that believers are declared righteous. How many of you today feel like you're righteous? If I was to ask for a raise of hands, I'd probably have a, maybe a couple of people raise their hands and a lot of people go, oh, that kind of sounds arrogant. I'm not going to raise my hand, right? But you know what? God has ascribed his righteousness to you, that God sees every one of his believers as righteous, and whether you feel it or not, whether you act it or not. Why? Because what God did is he took Christ's righteousness and he ascribed it to us. So it's nothing that we could do to earn to God's righteousness. It's what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so what that means is there are two parts of justification we learned in Galatians. The first is the forgiveness of all of our sins. Right? The forgiveness of all of our sins. The big ones? Yes. The little ones? Yes. The ones we committed four years ago? Yes. And I know some of us committed some on the way here this morning. You know, those, yes. All the sins you will commit in the future, yes. God, because um, God has declared you not guilty, right? And so justification is God saying, the judge, getting the hammer and verdict and saying not guilty, for all time. And so he forgives all of our sins. But sometimes we struggle with that. Sometimes we can't forgive ourselves. 
And I shared this in our sermon series, that do you know that if you do not forgive yourself, that's a sin? Have you ever thought of it that way? That if you do not forgive yourself, that's a sin. Because what are we saying? Well, Christ's blood that he shed on the cross isn't powerful enough to cover this sin. That what God said in his word, yeah, it may be true for some people, but not true for me. All of our sins, you know, have been forgiven and ascribing Christ's righteousness to us, whether you believe it or not, right? I said, don't believe about God what you feel about God. Believe about God what we see in the Scripture, what God says about himself. And God says, your sins are forgiven. I've forgiven your sins. Take it as far as east is from west, and I remember them no more, right? So if God forgives our sins and remembers no more, why are we keep bringing them up, right? Believe in God's word. And it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be bothered again by the yoke of slavery. Jesus came to this earth so we could live a life of freedom. Not living a life of slavery, of guilt. Not living of a life that, man, I keep trying and trying and trying and trying. I keep failing and failing and failing and failing. And a life of frustration. No, we were... um, Christ had come to what? To set us free. It says, Christian freedom is not the freedom to do what you want to do, but the power to do what you ought to do in order to live like Christ. Now, this is huge, because a lot of the people, they were saying, are you saying that all of our sins are forgiven? Yes. Are you saying that we have freedom? Yes. Then I could do whatever I want to do. We see that in the book of Romans. But isn't that human nature? to try to find loopholes and to say, whoa, I can do whatever we want. And that's not why we are free. We are not, Jesus Christ did not free, uh, free us so we could do whatever we want. We were free in order to live like Christ, which is the best way to live our life. And if you want to truly feel free in your soul, that's the only way to live to live like Christ. Because he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Uh, So what's he saying here? Your old self has been crucified. Your old self has died. Yes, we still have a sin nature, Right, But remember I shared with you a while back, and I know that you, some of you heard this many times, but we've got a bunch of a new audience here that I love so I could bring back my old stories. Right? But remember I said, before you're a Christian, you're like a Hummer, like a Humvee, that you're taking that thing off-road, right? You're saying, um, straight roads, forget it. I'm bouncing on rocks. I'm going up hills. I'm going up mountains. I'm going through rivers. And you're having the time of your life in a Humvee. Why? Because that's what you were made, that's what a Humvee's made to do. However, when you accept Christ, he changes you into what car? Come on. Oh, you guys. You're making me look bad in front of our guests. What car? Ferrari. Thank you. Thank you. Um, God changes us into a Ferrari, and a Ferrari is meant to roll on a fast-moving track or pavement or on a straight track where you could just open the throttle and go. What happens if you try to take a Ferrari off-road? 
It's going to break down, right? And so part of us, the reason why our faith is breaking down is we don't realize that we've been crucified with Christ, that our old self is that we are no longer a Hummer. We're a Ferrari. And when we try to take a Ferrari off-road, it breaks down. And sometimes our life is breaking down. Why? Because we're living a life now that we weren't meant to live. Does God still love us? Of course he does. But he said, and he's not going to say, you know, Dave, I know you enjoy that life of off-roading. I'll change you back to a Hummer. He doesn't do that. He said, Dave, you are a Ferrari, and you will always be a Ferrari. Therefore, you better go on roads that were made for a Ferrari. And that applies to us today, too. And then Paul goes on in Galatians 6.15. He says, it doesn't matter whether we've been uh, circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. You're a new creation now. You can't go back. And if you try to go back, you know, God still loves you, but you're going to experience all kinds of frustration and pain because you are now living a life that, was, that you died to and you are no longer created to live that life. Right? And so it doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or not. It matters that you are a new creation. And then you go, oh, now I want you guys to memorize this verse. If you have your Bibles with you, mark this verse down. If you have your Bibles on your phone, well, you know how to highlight it. I want you to highlight this verse. It'll change your life. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You want to know the key to living a successful Christian uh, life? That verse right there. That verse right there. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So walking is taking one step in front of the other in the same direction over a long period of time. That's what walking is. Right? So what's walking in the Spirit? It's reading God's Word. It's meditating on God's Word. It's believing that God's Word is authoritative, and I will live in obedience to God's Word. It's praying, right? And it's not just one-way prayer. It's two-way prayer, because how many of us, when we look at prayer, it's just one way, right? And that must frustrate God, because it'd be like if we're saying, uh, you know, if you, what if I'd call Grace up and say, hey, Grace, how are you doing? Could you do, oh, could you go to Costco and get this and this and this? I need this. Oh, and by the way, can you, after that, could you do this? And, oh, I, I need this. Can you do this? Thank you. Bye. Boom. And hang up. And Grace is on the phone like, what was that? But, you know, that's like a prayer to God, right? You know, we go to God, we have all of these lists. God, would you please do this in Jesus' name? Could you please do this? We pray, pray, pray. Then in Jesus' name, amen. And God said, you know, I want to talk to you. <laughs> I have something to say about this situation that you just talked to me about. But no, you didn't give me a chance. You hung up on me. So prayer is two-way conversation. And that's important. And this is why I'm just so, you know, happy about what we're learning in our men's group. In our men's group, what we're going through right now is the whole um, concept of hearing God, you know, conversationally. And I talked to them and said, okay, we could read this one book. 
That's pretty easy. Hearing God, we hear God through Scripture. We hear God through, you know, other people. We hear God through circumstances. But then there's another book called Dallas that was written by Dallas Willard. It's going to be a little bit harder. <laughs> it's going to challenge us. What book do you want to read? And they chose Dallas Willard. And even I have to read those chapters two to three times, you know, to make sure I understand it, right? But, you know, we had one of the best conversations about hearing God, you know, last week in our group. And that's so important that God wants to speak to you. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you. The Holy Spirit has something to say about what you're going through life. But how many of us don't give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to what? Talk to us. We don't give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to lead us. We don't give the Holy Spirit to uh, when we keep in step with him. Right? And so those things are walking in the Spirit. And we need to do those on a daily basis. Because he said it's what? One step in front of the other, in front of the other, walking with the Spirit over a long period of time. That's when we start seeing ourselves being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And there are times when you're going to fall. Right? You're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. Because Paul said in Galatians that our flesh is at con- within conflict with the Spirit. So there's this war going on inside of us, and sometimes the flesh is going to win and we fall. However, we are no good to the kingdom if we just wallow in self-pity. And we just fall and we stay on the ground and, woe is me, I'm such a loser, you know, and all of that. You know, there are no losers in the kingdom. So what does God, what God say when we fall? He said, just get up and live the life I want you to live. Even if you keep falling, and you may take two steps forward and three steps backwards, just get up and live the life God called you to live. Because he also says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfishness, ambition, dissensions, and factions, um, and envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. Okay? And so this is not an exhaustive list. Okay, this is not an exhaustive list. What Paul was saying is these are the acts of flesh that um, are at war with the Spirit, and these are the behaviors that should not be evident in our lives consistently. Now, we might fall, like I said, to these actions, but he said when we live by the flesh, those are the um, results, and they always lead to death. And destruction. Every single one of them. They'll destroy relationships. You know, how many times have you seen the first three? The sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. They ruin relationships, right? Idolatry. Richcraft is just another way of, you know, drugs. They used um, hallucinogenic drugs in their religious service. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfishness, ambition, you know, factions. How many of times have we seen those destroy relationships? You know, God is saying that these are from the flesh. Now that you're a new creature, we, our lives shouldn't be characterized by this. And it's not that God wants to take the fun out of our life. He cares about you. He loves you. And I guarantee if you do those things, and 
you know, I've done those things. It just messes your life up. It messes your life up. And, you know, God is saying, look, I love you. I I don't want to see you hurt. Don't do those things. But how many times, you know, you struggled with that, some of those things on that list? How did you try to deal with them? Oh, I'm not going to do that again. Oh, I'm going to, you know, it's through your sheer willpower that you say, I know God doesn't want these things in my life, so I'm not going to do them anymore. And we use our willpower to try to stop from doing these activities. You know, Richard Foster calls that the worship of the will. Meaning what he's saying is instead of relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to help you in those areas, you are what? Relying on your own power, your willpower. And if you rely on your willpower, you will always fail. The only way for us to um, get the, rid those things from our lives is through the power of the Spirit. It's by walking by the Spirit. Now, I know some of you are struggling with those lists. I get it. I still struggle with those. But you know what? When you walk by the Spirit, it makes it easier, right? You know, how many of you are bikers? Any of you bikers? Okay, one, two. Okay, well, this is not going to work as well as I thought. But, you know, when you ride your bike, there's a huge difference between riding into the wind and with the wind at your back, right? Because I used to bike. I used to live by um, El Segundo, and I used to ride along the beach. Man, when you are riding into the wind, it feels like, oh, my gosh, I'm, try- I'm trying to ride up Mount Everest, right? But on the way back. You have the wind at your back, and you're just cruising. I go, this is so easy. Why? Because the wind's at our back. When you are trying to hit these, th- that list head on with your willpower, that's r- like riding your bike into the wind. It's hard. However, when you walk with the Spirit, I guarantee you because I've seen this in my life, He takes care of those things. It's like riding with the wind at your back. So what's the opposite of that? But he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So he says, okay, contrast. Okay, these aren't supposed to be evident in your life. Now, the, now just to let you know, it says the acts of the flesh. So all of those things I listed before, sexual immorality and so forth, That's plural, meaning that, yes, you might struggle with one of these acts, but you might not struggle with the other. The fruit of the Spirit is singular. It's a cluster. It comes together. So you can't say that, you know what, it seems like I'm okay with goodness and faithfulness. But, you know, patience, oh, I don't got that in my life, but that's okay. I'm pretty good with the rest of them. You can't say that. Why? Because they all come in a group. So if one of them's not lacking, that should tell us that, okay, I'm not walking in the Spirit. Because he said the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's not loving each other here because you guys are all lovable, right? It's loving your enemies. It's ha- it says joy, not when things are going well. Joy is even when we're watching USC yesterday. We could say, woo, you know, praise God, you know, instead of getting frustrated, like some of us did, you know? And then peace. Peace isn't when everything's good. You have peace when what? Your world is falling apart. 
You know, you could be patient, not with people that you like. You have patience with people who drive you nuts. You know, that's the fruit of the Spirit we're talking about here. And that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot um, work hard enough to have these things being shown up in your life, right? See, the acts of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit are byproducts of either walk, or not walking with the Spirit or walking with the Spirit. Now, the problem with each of us is that we focus on either not doing the works of the flesh or making sure that we see the fruits of the Spirit in our life. And our focus should not be on that. Our focus should not be on that. Our focus should be on what? Walking with the Spirit. If you walk with the Spirit, I guarantee you, those things in five, in that, that first list, you're going to see that minimalized. If you walk with the Spirit, you're going to see the fruit of your Spirit in your life. So the key to live a Christian life isn't to say, okay, I'm not supposed to do this, and I'm supposed to see this. No, the key of the, of the Christian life is what? Walk with the Spirit. You want to be a better husband? Walk with the Spirit. You want to be a better wife? Walk with the Spirit. You want to be a better worker? Walk by the Spirit. You want to be a better son or daughter? Walk by the Spirit. That's how you do it. Walk by the Spirit. Take one step, another step, another step, and another step. That's how we live in the freedom of Christ. Is by walking in the Spirit. And that's what we should be focusing on. Because if you walk by the Spirit, it minimizes the first list. If you walk by the Spirit, it maximizes the second list. Because God is doing all the work. And that's what he, we were meant to be. Right, God? Now, we should use those lists to evaluate ourselves. I mean, those lists are important because all of a sudden, if we see fits of rage going on in our life, we have to look at it. Okay, what's going on in my life? Okay, what, okay, obviously I'm not walking by the Spirit. You know, I might be one thing up here, but you ask Grace, you ask my son Michael, they'll tell you whether I'm walking with the Spirit or not, right? The important thing is to focus on walking by the Spirit and not sin management. You understand that? That's important, right? And then I'm going to end with this example. Coat, can you come here for a sec and help me? You're not going to be able to see this, but use your imagination. Okay, could you walk that way? Okay, and put it down. Okay, I just taped a line here on the stage. I know you can't see it. Uh, maybe those at home with that camera could see it, but trust me, there's a line here. Now, this line separates my responsibility and God's responsibility, right? What's my responsibility? I'm on this side. My responsibility is to walk by the Spirit. My responsibility is to be led by the Spirit. My responsibility is to keep in step by the Spirit. That is my responsibility. Now, over here, this is God's responsibility. God's responsibility 
is, okay, we'll minimize those things in the first list. That's God's responsibility. God's responsibility is the fruit of the Spirit will be showing in your life. That's God's responsibility, not your responsibility. To be transformed into a Christ-like spouse, God's responsibility. To be transformed into a Christ-like son or daughter, friend, co-worker, or anything, that's God's responsibility. What's our responsibility? Walk by the Spirit. But see this line here? God does not cross it. God does not cross it. If I'm not walking by the Spirit, God's not going to say, okay, Dave, I'm going to give you a pass on this one. You know? Yeah, you, you, you're not walking by the Spirit, but you could still experience those things. You could still overcome that list in five. It's not going to happen. God knows where this line is. God knows what's his responsibility. God knows what's our responsibility. And he expects us to live up um, to our responsibility in order to minimize list um, number one and to see the fruit of the Spirit. And this is important because there's not, there's not amount of works you could do to try to minimize um, list one. And there's not enough work you could do to maximize lift two, lift two in your life. And that's important. So what's our weekly challenge? Are we, what I'd like you to do is to read the entire book of Galatians this week. Only six chapters. It's not that long. Chapter a day. But before you start reading, ask God to reveal himself to you through his word. God is going to speak to you. God speaks to you through his word. But then after you finish reading on a daily basis, after you finish reading, reflect on what God is saying to you through his word. After you finish reading, don't just, okay, checklist, done, done. No, sit there for a while and ask God, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to teach me through the word? And then practice walking in the spirit daily. You know, some of you have been here today and it's like, man, I've been... I haven't walked by spirit in a long time. Or maybe you were taking one step in another after another in the opposite direction, right? Well, that's okay. Tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day, right? So you haven't been walking with the spirit, right? And we know that doesn't go well with us. It's okay. Tomorrow's a new day. Turn around and just start with that one step. And then maybe the next day, another step, and another step, and another step. Don't give up, because God hasn't given up on you. And he certainly doesn't want you to give up on you. Let's pray. Worship team, please come forward. Uh, gracious Heavenly Father, I know that there are you know, many here who just struggle with their faith, wondering, why their faith isn't working. And Father, you've made it clear to us through the word that you have your responsibilities and Father, we have our responsibilities too. And our responsibility is not to try to transform our behavior through our works, but to walk in the Spirit. So if you're here today, and maybe you've been taking one step in front of the other in the opposite direction, and your life is frustrating, 
burdensome. And you may have been thinking about, you know, this whole faith or this discipleship doesn't even work. Now give God another chance. See, he promised that he wasn't going to give up on you, and he's not. So don't give up on yourself. So just take a few moments to reflect on how you're doing with your responsibility in allowing God to do his thing. Father, I want to pray for those today who are struggling with their past. And Father, maybe they've done some things that, you know, bring shame and bring guilt and they're living under the slavery of guilt and shame. Father, you set us free from that. Father, would you allow them to forgive themselves because you have forgiven them. And Father, that you have taken their sin and separated as far as east is from west. And brothers and sisters, that's in a straight line. And God remembers them no more. And if he doesn't remember them, neither should you. There might be some here today who've been away from the God. You're far from God right now. But you know what? You might be far from God, but God's always been near to you. He's everywhere. You know, every time you try to run from him, you're just going to bump into him. And I pray that this would be the day that you choose to say, okay, I'm going to return to walking with the Spirit. One small step after the other in a long direction. God, I thank you so much for your grace and mercy and that you do all the work because, Lord, we admit we can't do it by ourselves. So, Father, would you empower each one of us as we walk by your Spirit to transform us little by little, into the likeness of your Son. In your Son's name I pray. Amen.